Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere. I'm your host, Nara Wang, and in episode 96, Fred Cowgill, sports director for WLKY-TV in Louisville for the last 37 years, who's won basically every award possible for his work in the state of Kentucky, joins me ahead of the Trojans matchup with the Cardinals in the Holiday Bowl. Fred, welcome to the Everything USC podcast. I'm very flattered. It's been a while. It has. We met a long, long time ago, back when I was a student at USC attending the Kentucky Derby Journalism Seminar out there in Louisville. So it's great to get to talk to you again. And of course, if you enjoy listening to this show, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and so many more. Or go right to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com on social media at Believe Network. For me, you can find me on X, or as I call it, the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Fred, if the people want to find out what you're up to, what you're doing, where should they go? You know, Twitter's fine, X, uh, at Fred Cowgill, W-L-K-Y. And I've got a Facebook page, uh, Fred Cowgill, W-L-K-Y as well. The Everything USC Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online which remains the top spot for all your live betting action and contests. The only people that don't get time off this time of year are pro athletes and the good folks at Bet Online. With NFL, bowl season, and NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and info. BetOnline has all the sports wagering info available you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head there today to get in the action and remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Before we dive in deeper to the Holiday Bowl preview, a lot has happened for USC football since the regular season ended on November 18th with a loss to rival UCLA to finish with a 7-5 overall record after starting the season with six straight wins. The defensive coordinator who helped the Bruins stifle the high-powered Trojans offense, Danton Lynn, was hired away from Westwood to take over as the USC DC after Alex Grinch had been fired following the Washington game. Matt Entz, who won two FCS national titles in five years as the head coach at North Dakota State, was hired as an assistant head coach for defense and linebackers coach. Doug Belk, who was associate head coach and defensive coordinator at Houston, has been brought in as the secondary coach. In terms of player movement, some of the players turning pro or entering the transfer portal, obviously quarterback Caleb Williams, running back Marshawn Lloyd, and wide receiver Brendan Rice, the top passer, runner, and receiver respectively for USC, all opting out of the bowl game to enter the NFL draft, although Williams technically hasn't officially declared yet. I think everyone knows he is going to be turning pro. Notable names in the transfer portal include 
Wide receiver, Mario Williams. Right tackle, Michael Tarquin. Cornerback, Domani Jackson. And linebacker, Tackett Curtis, who all started multiple games this season for the Trojans. And former top recruits, wide receiver, Raleek Brown. Edge rusher, Corey Foreman. And once presumed to be the quarterback of the future for USC, Malachi Nelson. Others in the portal who could have played a role in the Holiday Bowl are running back Darwin Barlow, wide receiver Michael Jackson III, and defensive lineman Dejon Benton. On a more positive note, some of the honors that players have received since the end of the regular season, safety Kalen Bullock and return specialist Zachariah Branch named first team All-Pac-12, and Brendan Rice was named to the second team. Branch also receiving first team All-American honors from USA Today and Pro Football Focus becoming the first true freshman in USC history to be named first-team All-American. In the early signing period recruiting class and some of the transfers coming into USC, the Trojans signed 19 recruits in this early period, no five-stars among them for the 18th-ranked class in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. It's headlined by the top interior offensive lineman recruit in the country, Jason Zandamella from Clearwater, Florida. Cornerback Marcellus Williams from St. John Bosco High School, brother of current Trojan Max Williams. Edge rusher Cameron Fountain from Atlanta. And wide receiver Xavier Jordan from Sierra Canyon High School. Some of those notable transfers coming in. Safety Kamari Ramsey and corner John Humphrey from UCLA following their defensive coordinator Lynn over to downtown Los Angeles. Linebacker Easton Mascarenas Arnold and Akili Arnold from Oregon State and running back Jaquavius Marks from Mississippi State. Fred, how did you feel about what USC did this regular season and what they've done since to try and address the shortcomings? I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm laughing at the fact there's so many layers to it. Nora, I really believe that the sport is at a crossroads. USC is not the only program going through these kinds of changes. and People ask me all the time, like, and I've done this, you know, for basically five decades. What are the most monumental things I've seen that have changed the landscape of what we do for a living? And, of course, I mentioned the internet and the smartphones. And in the modern day, when it comes specifically to college football and the transfer portal, and especially now that rosters are changing overnight. I mean, a, a loose head count for me, I think USC might be at like 17 players being lost to transfer and maybe another half dozen or so that are you know, stepping away to get ready for the NFL draft. And Louisville, of course, has like 11 of them that are, are leaving. So to say that this isn't jaw-droppingly like, what do you do with this? And you know, next year in 2024, we go to a 12-team playoff where that leaves everybody, 12-team playoff for the national championship, where that leaves everybody. And of course, conference rearrangements, which seem like you know, happening every cup of coffee. And it's all about money. It's all about following the money and how the rules have changed and how people have to adapt to that. So I struggle to answer your question only from the standpoint that I kind of feel for the Trojans. I mean, it's been a rough go. And it's awfully difficult to go through this when you're going through a rebuilding project like Lincoln Riley is. I mean, I watched the news conference this day, which is the day before the game, and Jeff Rahm for the global head coach and Lincoln Riley for USC. And this was a big topic of the conversation. They were both on the dais together, 
there were questions asked individually first for Coach Juan and then Coach Riley, and then they basically had a chance to answer some things together. And this topic of the dramatic landscape changing and how that is so hard given, you know, Coach Riley and Coach Brown have a lot in common, both former quarterbacks, both had college success, tried to now rebuild programs that have had success on their own rights for a long time and both doing it, you know, well given the circumstances, but I know at the end of the day, the Trojans endured a challenging season. And I, I can't say I'm shocked that the, the carnage that is going on right now. Lincoln Riley has taken a lot of heat, it seems, from some of the fan base after this tough season, maybe because of the high expectations going in to the season. But how do you think Coach Riley has done since becoming the head man of the Trojans? Well, that's a very good question. And I would say uh, the jury's out on what's going because of everything we've just talked about in the last five or ten minutes. I mean, and how you this is new territory for a lot of people. Before the season even started, I talked to Mark Stoops, the Kentucky football head coach, and he referenced all of this, saying it was arguably the most challenging thing he's ever seen in his career. He's a, a commitment guy, a guy that builds teams from scratch and likes longevity and guys that stick around, you get to know their last names and all of that. That doesn't exist much anymore and is only going to become more fractured as time goes by. And Lincoln did a great job, obviously, in 2022, winning 11 or 14 games. But of course, most Trojans fans likely still have the sort of bitter taste in their mouths from blowing the, the lead and losing the Tulane on the Cotton Bowl. And then you've got this year where things started so well. And then again, you know, sort of a collapse of what looked like things were so promising and you know, losing to Notre Dame and all of that has sort of went downhill from there. So I think part of it also is the instant gratification society we're in. When, you know, Lincoln came in making six million or whatever it is a year, and then the modern day, you know, gold rush to basically cash a ticket as quickly as you can in most of them guaranteed contracts. So if you do fail, you're a rich man for life. All of these different issues are coming into play, many of them in contradiction to one another about building a successful program, almost like now it's a lottery type atmosphere. You know, if you're lucky enough to put things together, you know, you cash that big ticket and then the rest, you know, you worry about later. To see what Alabama has done, in spite of you know the up and down season to some degree, given their level of attainment this year, I mean to win you know I think it's 80 billion national championships now that uh, Alabama has won, tongue firmly planted in cheek. Coach Saban, this this incredible consistency of success is where I'm going with this. I'm curious to see if he will be able to maintain this much longer, given this modern day environment. But to answer your question, the jury's out, right? I mean it's. USC's rebuilding project will, you know, in the next, I would make the case, season, season and a half, we're going to know where it's going to be going. Is this a bump on the road or is this a bad track? Yeah, I tend to agree that it's going to be a challenge for Lincoln Riley going forward because of everything you brought up in this new world of college football. But at a program like USC, of course, the expectations are always going to be high. And this is the Everything USC Podcast. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today, sports director for WLKY in Louisville, Fred Cowgill. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you go for your podcasts or at our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network. For me, I'm on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Fred, where can the people go to find you? 
At Fred Cowgill, WLKY on X. That's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, it's a good thing for the most part. Twitter's or X or whatever. Uh, it's definitely been the uh, the landscape of what we currently deal with day in and day out for the most part in terms of news and all of that. I'm also at Fred Cowgill, WLKY on Facebook as well. This is Jackie Jamelis, former USC and WNBA player, and you're listening to the Believe in Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang. Fight on. And now let's get to previewing the holiday bowl game between USC and Louisville. That's going to take place on Wednesday night, 5 p.m. Pacific start, broadcasted on Fox Television and, of course, the USC Trojans Radio Network flagship station, KABC. 790 AM. We are recording this the day before that game and Louisville coming in ranked 15th in the final college football playoff and coaches polls and 16th by the AP. Had a 10 and 3 overall record this season, 7 and 1 in the ACC going all the way to the ACC championship game where they fell to Florida State. The head coach as you mentioned, Jeff Brom in his first season back at his alma mater, this is going to be the first game in program history between USC and Louisville. And when we talk about bowl records, USC 34 and 20 all time. That doesn't include one and one in vacated games. In the Holiday Bowl, however, SC is just one and two with the win coming in their first appearance back in 2014 against Nebraska but losses in 2015 to Wisconsin and 2019 to Iowa. Louisville, 500 in the bowl games, 12-12-1. and They have won two of their last three. This is going to be their first appearance in San Diego for the Holiday Bowl and their first bowl game in the state of California since the Pasadena Bowl on December 19, 1970, when the Cardinals tied Long Beach State 24-24 for their one bowl game tie. That is so long ago, of course, that the Pasadena Bowl doesn't exist and Long Beach State doesn't have a football program anymore. <laughs> so it's been a while since the Cardinals have traveled out to the state of California for bowl season. On offense for the Cardinals, top rusher Jawar Jordan and top receiver Jamari Thrash have opted out of the game to declare for the NFL draft. But their six-year senior starting quarterback, Jack Plummer, should be familiar to USC fans. After all, he lit up the Trojans for 406 yards and three touchdowns last season when he was starting for the Cal Golden Bears. This season, he had a 63.5% completion percentage, 3,063 yards, 21 touchdowns against 12 interceptions. But besides Plummer, Fred, who should we be looking out for on the Louisville offense? Well, that's an excellent question, and I, I'm not sure to answer your question, because the guys that they've lost were such an integral part of their offense. I mean, their best receiver, Jamari Thrash, is gone. Their best running back, Jahard Jordan, equally explosive, gone. It's going to be by committee, and I, I think both sides face some of these challenges. The good news for Louisville, Jack Plummer is an excellent quarterback, very smart. He does have the game experience against you know the Pac-12 in general and USC in particular. This is a big game for USC. I mean, the last one before it goes to the Big Ten. What is this going to look like? You know, I've often talked to coaches about when you walk away from a bowl, what's the difference in winning and losing? And they said, other than the fact that, it, you know, pride and all that, it's everything. Because it's so, it, has, it sticks with you for months. 
And you have to live with that. And I go back to the Cotton Bowl with USC last year and the loss to Tulane. So what does that say now? That they USC really needs this win. I think. And, and yet it's such a state of transition for both teams. You know, there are guys that have hardly played on both sides. And when you talk about, you know, Louisville's high-profile guys and they're gone, I mean, it's and one of their best defensive backs, Derek Edwards, gone. So I mean, many of the guys who made this huge impact in upsetting Notre Dame, being at one point, you know, a projecting as a long shot to make the college football playoff. This team is now completely different. To lose 11 key guys like this, we don't know what to expect. It, it's almost like rolling dice. And when you see the point spread of seven, Louisville favored by seven, that's great. But, you know, again, we don't know. And in the USC side, when you're looking around and when you see a monster like Caleb Williams gone, I mean, a Heisman Trophy winner. And now it'll be curious. I'll be curious to see, you know, Ken Miller Moss make a dent. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this because we're going to be seeing a lot of this, frankly, for the first time. These are like two different teams than played virtually the entire season. I wish I had a better grip on it. I'm not the only one. When, and again, referencing the pregame news conference and both coaches, you know, they talk and, and USC hasn't played a game in, I'm thinking, roughly six weeks. Obviously, Coach Riley talked a lot about using that time to their advantage and trying to get reps in these guys and the great opportunity that exists. And Coach Rahm said the same thing for Lou. But I think they would both candidly say they don't know what to expect. Yeah, I would think that Isaac Garendo is going to have a big chance to do something for Louisville. He had over 600 yards rushing, eight touchdowns as the backup to Jordan. And you mentioned Edwards on defense, but no other really notable opt-outs on that side of the ball that ranked 16th in the nation overall, 12th against the run, 38th against the pass, and 22nd in scoring D. So who would you say that SC needs to worry about on the Cardinals' defense? It's been a defense by committee, and frankly, it's been outstanding. Coach English, the defensive coordinator, you love him. He's a heck of a guy. Very, very funny, very self-deprecating, and been around a long time. It's a, a defense that their basic mantra is, I have your back. And they don't care who gets the stats. And so, yeah, they've only really lost one major guy. So I don't know who will be the one to step up. Again, it's, and I've done this a long time. And frankly, Nora, I I don't remember a time when I was reaching for guessing as much as I'm guessing. And to hear the coaches talk today, I just kept kind of chuckling to myself that I'm not the only one. I mean, you can look at the statistics and the guys that, you know, played some and had some impact. I'm not so sure that's the direction to go in. I mean, Miller Moss, we have no, I'm a big past performances guy. I'm a big horse racing guy. The daily racing form is something that's, you know, I'm a numbers guy. What have horses done? This is like a maiden race where there is, there are no past, minimal past performances. You don't know what's going to happen because the dynamic is so different than it's been to the team that was USC to finish with a seven and five record. You know, Louisville's, one win away from just the sixth 11-1 season in the program's history. I mean, I, I was there in 1990-91 when Louisville was basically, you know, an afterthought in, in college football and upsets Alabama in the Fiesta Bowl and gets on the map with Howard Schnellenberg. I've covered these guys my 38th year covering Louisville. You know, I make the case I know less about them now than I ever have because of all these different elements. And that, I'm not trying to be squirrely or, you know, hide the, the secret game plan. But when I hear the coaches so scratching their heads as well, and in USC even more with all the coaching changes. So it's, um, 
Good questions. I wish I had more answers than I do. I think we're going to find out a lot of these answers to a lot of questions in the game based on what the future might look like for both sides. So let's do our best here. Let's try and make some predictions on this game. So to go over how I've done this season, it's a close one between myself and the guests. I have 11 wins against 10 for the guests and two ties. And since this is a bowl game, I've always gone double points on it. So this could really be interesting here with what Fred can do if the guests can finally defeat me for once in this prediction game. So we begin, as always, with the players we believe in. Who is going to be the top Trojan in the game? And I really struggled with this one because, like you said, there are so many players who are important to USC throughout the regular season who are not going to be in this bowl game. And I ended up settling on running back Austin Jones as the player I believe in. I think he's going to want to finish out his college career with a big game here after being the backup most of the season to Marshawn Lloyd. So I'm going running back Austin Jones is the player I believe in. Fred, I know you're not as well versed on USC, but who is the player you believe in for the Trojans in the Holiday Bowl? You're really going to laugh at me, but I'm going to say Miller Moss because he is so important to the success or the lack of it that you will see well and will have tomorrow night. And I even have a prop bet, which we'll talk about in a minute. I mean, it's, I don't do them very often, but We've got a Fred's Fun and Games name for it. Uh, just a, a quick prop bet that should be fun to see if it plays out. But if Miller Moss succeeds, I mean, USC has a huge chance. I mean, and okay, so you're you're the defensive coordinator for Louisville, Coach English, and you're like, how am I supposed to defend these guys? I'm not quite sure what they're going to do. And I don't know anything about this kid. I still remember years ago, this goes back in the day, I was at a Tennessee-Georgia game in Knoxville, and this young man, a freshman named Herschel Walker, got in the game. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew what he could do. He was a heralded high school recruit, but there's so many like that. And they, who knows what they are going to become like Derby, you know, contenders coming up to the, on the road of the Derby. doesn't mean they're going to show up on the first Saturday in May. And as one of his first offensive plays, Herschel literally is running sideways faster than anybody else can run North South and runs all over Tennessee and a star is born. I mean, will we see that with Miller Moss? You know, he's waited for his chance for a long time, right? I mean, it's, I think it's been three seasons that he's waited for his chance. I mean, how many times have we seen coaches not say they're wrong, but for a variety of reasons, that guy, you know, is the back door, that guy's the third string. And suddenly he gets his day in the sun and he lights it up. I mean, there have been all sorts of success stories like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to take you on there. I'm going to say it's going to be Miller Moss. That's a good choice. I was debating between Moss and Jones. I ended up going with the more experienced guy, but it may very well be Moss who has to have a big game for USC to try and win this one. So let's get to our game winner and score prediction. And Fred, I'll let you go first. I will note that the sponsor of the show, Bet Online, currently has the Trojans as a seven point underdog to the Cardinals as we record this on Tuesday, the day before the game. So, Fred, Who's winning, and what's the score going to be? I'm going to take Louisville giving the points, so I'm going to give the seven. So in a bet like that, they've got to win by more than seven to actually win the bet. And I'm going to say 35-21 Louisville. Now, that, that's a gutsy call on a variety of fronts, including Louisville not having the same offense that it did. I'm counting a lot on the defense, obviously, to control the Trojans to some degree. But, uh, yeah, let's do that. 35-21 simple numbers. They win by 14. All right. So a 14 point 
Cardinals victory is what Fred Cowgill is predicting. And as much as I want to pick USC and maybe fans will get on my case, I am just going to trust Vegas on this one. So I'm going with Louisville to win in a little more lower scoring game, 27-17, a 10-point margin of victory for the Cardinals. So we're both picking Louisville. So the winner here may depend on what the point margin is going to be in the game. And finally, the always fun prop bet. For me, it's called Nara's No Doubter. And on this one, I think the game's going to be a little bit sloppy with a lot of these new players getting into action. So I'm saying that both teams are combining for at least three turnovers in this game. So three plus turnovers in the game among both teams. So that's Nara's No Doubter. Fred, you said you had a good fun name for this one. So what is it? And then what is the prop bet? It's fun and good. Why not? And I'm going to do a parlay of Jack Plummer and Miller Moss each having two touchdown passes. So the only way I cash is if they both do it. That's a reach, right? I mean, that's a, I'm sure I could get a pretty decent number in Vegas on this. Now, Plummer, you know, has had his success, but he loses his top receiver. And, you know, Miller Moss, we don't know, you know, what he can do yet. But I, I'm thinking in a game like this with so many unknowns, quarterbacks are going to be the story one way or the other. And a plumber, especially, I think, could have his day in the sun. And he's had an up and down season. He's had some successes, and he's a great guy. He's, I think he's an eighth year senior kind of thing. On the other hand, Miller Moss has waited his turn and really had virtually no experience and literally sat for three years for an opportunity like this. So, you know, does he have his guys ready to play? Are they going to be ready to play around him? You know, I'd like to believe that. I'm anticipating a really good game and maybe more offense than we've seen in the past uh, maybe a little more we'll see but that's there's my fred's fun and games bet parlay two touchdowns for each quarterback all right fred's fun and games is that miller moss and jack Plummer both getting at least two touchdown passes so to recap the predictions the players we believe in both going on the offense i'm taking the running back austin jones fred with the quarterback miller moss in The game winner and score, we're both going to pick Louisville to go with the favorite. I'm saying 27-17, while Fred goes 35-21 Cardinals. And in our prop bets, Nara's no doubter is that both teams combining for three-plus turnovers, while Fred's fun and games is Miller Moss and Jack Plummer, the two quarterbacks, are going to both have at least two touchdown passes apiece. So we'll see how it goes. And again... I'm going to try and beat my guests once again in the predictions, and it's double points, so each victory would be two points in this final prediction segment of the season. And of course, this is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang, and my guest is Fred Cowgill, sports director for WLKY TV in Louisville for the last 37 years. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe, download, and rate it on all of your favorite podcast directories or at our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network. For me, I am on X or Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Fred, how do the people reach out to you and find out what you're doing? Fred Cowgill, W-L-K-Y, on Twitter and on Twitter. One last quick observation. For whatever it's worth, and you, some are saying, why would Fred pick a score of 35-21? Part of it's the statistics. I mean, I, I, but again, I hesitate because so many of the guys are different now. But the team this year for Louisville, 
It's average points per game, 31. Its defense gave up an average of 19. So I stretched it over the 35-21 rule. There you go. A little statistical breakdown for the pick. Marcus Grant here from the NFL Network, and you're checking out the Everything USC podcast with my old roommate, Nara Wang, on the Believe Network. I believe in Trojan sports. Hope you believe, too. Fight on. Finally, in the last segment, as I've done with most of my guests this season, we're going to talk about the conference realignment wave going over college sports. And we'll begin, of course, with USC and UCLA having a couple of seasons now decided to go to the Big Ten starting in 2024. But they're going to be joined by Oregon and Washington after the collapse of the Pac-12 conference. You've got Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State going to the Big 12. And joining Louisville in the ACC will be Cal and Stanford. Fred, how do you feel about the collapse of the Pac-12 and all of this realignment? On a variety of levels, in a variety of ways, people talk about the entire sport should be revamped in a way that's not dissimilar to what it's done in Europe, where you have basically an elite league of whatever it happens to be, 30 or 40 schools. And if it keeps going like this, that's what will happen if the brakes aren't hit in this. And I think something's lost in the process. I mean, I, I went to school undergrad at Tennessee. I'm a big college football fan, a big SEC fan, but also a fan of the game. And to see what's happening is tearing at the fabric of why I fell in love with college athletics in general and college football specifically. The grandeur of the USC Trojans, right? Well, something's being lost by this. Suddenly, you know, USC is in the Big Ten. No, they're at California. I mean, I, and yeah, I'm not a kid. So I've lived a lot of this. And I think it's hard for me to get around, you know, the priceless aspect of what's been given up to chase the almighty dollar. I get why. I mean, the Big Ten, because of the success of the Big Ten Network and other ventures within the league, its revenue sharing this year, round number is about $50 million per school. That's a five and a zero per year, which is just off the charts. And the SEC is not far behind, but it falls off the table after that. And that's why now Florida State's trying to leave the ACC because of the growing revenue gap and the, the feeling from some, including programs that have had success in football, and obviously Florida State were the national champion in relatively modern times, they feel like they're going to get left behind unless they can be in one of these super leagues. And right now it appears we're down to two, the Big Ten and the SEC. I hate it. I mean, it's I go back to Louisville basketball winning the national championship back in 2013 with mainly fourth and fifth year players. We got to know these guys. We got to like them a lot. And uh, they're still part of this community. And none of them, I'm not mistaken, it was probably the first in modern times, team won a national championship without a future NBA lottery pick in the draft. This was done as, as a team. And now, I mean, it's become much more mercenary. I understand why, but the power brokers are losing control of the game. And they're going to have to decide, you know, people who do have some juice are going to have to decide what they're going to do about it. Are, is anybody going to stop and say, this is for the good of the game, that we're not going to keep taking this money? We're going to do this or whatever it happens to be. I don't like the way this is going and I have a bad feeling where this is going to end up. Just it's going to crash and burn. I mean, you can't keep paying coaches more and more and more money like this. $8 million, $9 million, $10, $12 million for a coach. I remember back in 1975, there was a TV show you know, called the, uh, the $6 million man, Lee Majors. And it was, he was kind of this you know guy that could do a lot of things and kind of uh, 
the beginning of robotics and all that stuff. Now we have coaches making way more than that per season. Coaches in 1975 made $50,000 a year, $60,000 a year. Now I know inflation's in there somewhere, but it doesn't go from 50 and 60,000 to eight and 10 and 12 million in the course of roughly 45, 48 years. I'm sorry, just does So it's alarming. And I hope that someone, you know, for the good of the game, can slam the brakes on this thing and get it back under control again. The NCAA obviously has lost control of it. It never really did. It wasn't really in charge of football like it is in basketball with its own tournament. So, you know, everybody's chasing the almighty dollar. And I would say that eventually you would think that football is going to have to just break off on its own and leave the other sports under the NCAA banner while football is handling its own business. And for me, it's like, why don't we just get to that now? Let's figure out how we can do that. So all these other sports where you've got the women's volleyball team now having to traverse the country to go play their conference games because football is a once a week sport. All the other sports, you're going to play multiple games within a week for the most part, and it just makes it tough on that. So we shall see what occurs with that. But Fred, it's been very enjoyable to have you on here to talk about Louisville and USC going against each other in the Holiday Bowl and get your perspective on the general atmosphere with conference realignment as well. So is there anything else you'd like to add to the conversation? I think just something lost in all of this is colleges are in the business of educating. There's a reason I got a master's because I wanted to teach. I taught at Louisville 30 years ago. I'm teaching again there now as an adjunct professor as my career in television sports winds down. It's a lot of fun too. But as you probably well know, Nara, I mean, college professors don't make a lot of money. I mean, an adjunct professor, basically it's, you know, an honorarium at best. And even full-time college professors, you know, $75,000, $80,000 in that solar system and almost get no raises. And they're in the same environment with coaches and the big sports, especially college football and basketball, where the assistants are making a million dollars a year or more. And the head coaches, obviously multiples of that. Kenny Payne, the basketball coach at Louisville, makes round numbers about $5 million a year. And Jeff Brown, more or less, about the same, if not more. And with more and more to come, where is it going to end? And the problem with that is... They're not in the business of promoting players to the NFL or having these guys make all this money, but that's where we are. And that's, you know, the system is messed up. And I think in the process, some colleges are going to get out of it. They're just not, so we're not going to participate in this anymore. And the the problem with that for a lot of them is it's helped promote their school so much. Coach Saban in Alabama. I mean, the school had a very negative national image back in the sixties and seventies, Alabama. And through Coach Saban and athletics, especially football in the modern day, they've completely transformed the Alabama image into a national university. And that's why the USC's of the world and all the others that have had success want to continue to do that. But at the same time, the economics of it are going to fail sooner or later. And it's just a matter of time. And we're seeing this right in front of our eyes. I feel like it's a train wreck that we just can't stop. Yeah, it is a big business for sure. College football in specific, but also college sports as a whole. And we're going to see how the economy of college sports continues throughout the years. But Fred, it's great to get to talk to you. And let's see how these Trojans and Cardinals do in the Holiday Bowl. Yes, sir. Nora, I'm really proud of you that you've stuck with a sports career. Quarter century since I saw you here in Louisville. Fantastic. I'm really glad you reached out. I appreciate it. So 
For my guests, WLKY Sports Director Fred Cowgill, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 96 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe, the place to find a sports and pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe, every team, every topic, everywhere. And as always, as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.